Welcome back, Chelsea fans. This is episode number 32 of the Romans Empire podcast. A happier week this week. Zach, um, I think we should just take a second and uh, take a collective sigh of relief um, for the whole entire Chelsea fan base. Yeah, I I agree. <sighs> You're right here. Oh, I jumped the gun a little bit there. I'm sorry. All right, let's yeah, do it. Let's, let's do it. Three, two, one. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, Anyways, that, that was uh, that's exactly that's... how I felt after this uh, after this West Brom match because I think that it would have been a complete disaster for you know not just the club but for our fan base as well. It would have been the ultimate overreaction of just of the century. Oh my god, yeah. Like you know, I com- I completely agree in that in that sense. But really quick before we start talking about the West Brom match, some yeah, um, I just want to have a quick shout out to uh, Stamford Chidge and all the guys at the Chelsea FanCast. So, um, long story short, like, dude, I've been listening to these guys for maybe about the better part of five years now, and Stamford Chidge actually shouted our podcast out in his intro this past week. So. That's like fucking incredible and like it's really humbling and dude we're we're literally just two Chelsea fans from LA who decided to start a podcast literally out of the blue and a week later we had our first episode recorded and posted. Did you say out so of just, the blue? Out of the blue? Nice. It was out of the blue, yeah. Nice pun. So but you know like this is this is good man and and to be honest I was kind of worried about starting this but like we're getting we're starting to tweet with some pretty important people. We're starting to get mentioned on some podcasts. Like, obviously, like, we're not in it for the fame and everything. We're just in it because we just want everyone to hear how we feel mm-hmm. about Chelsea Football Club. And we want to kind of, like, open up a dialogue with everyone else. So, shout out to Sanford Chid. Shout out to everyone at the fan cast. And, Zach, you're the one You're the one who originally found, you know, the shout out. You know, I, so when I listened to it, I already know, knew it was coming, but... I mean, how shocked were you? Like, what was your reaction when you were listening and then you just all of a sudden heard them shout us out? So I got a – it's actually funny. So, like, I got home and, and my house right now is upside down because we're doing, like, some major renovations. So we don't have anything to eat. So I'm literally making myself a tuna salad. And I heard Stanford Chid shout our name out. And I fucking celebrated, like, drug bus scoring the game winner in Munich. Uh-huh. Like, you, like you, I mean, the game winner. You slid on your knees? No, no, it was like a game winner in my ass. I mean, the game tying goal. But like, yeah, like if if my floor wasn't all tile, I definitely would have done like a nice little knee slide, um, and fucking and celebrated my fists. ass off. Nice. No, dude, but I was screaming and yelling like I was celebrating really hard. And yeah, it's man, just, it's it's crazy. Like I know I know you look up to those guys a lot, as do I. But you know, that's just that's kind of a surreal moment, and it's it's it was like a. I don't know. So it kind of starstruck, to be honest, when I heard that. Like that was pretty oh, yeah, crazy. Man. The best, I think, the best part is, and this goes for all other Chelsea fans. Like, if you want to start like writing or blogging or like making a podcast or just like engaging with other Chelsea fans via Twitter, Facebook, whatever it may be, like, go for it and and like, just do it because honestly, the Chelsea fan base has this like really tight knit. Um, really friendly kind of vibe about them and like everybody has been so supportive and so open and every other podcast we've talked to and had dialogue with they're all like supporting each other and it's just like it's really cool man well we're friendly until we go on a two-game losing streak um 
But yeah, and then <laughs> start throwing shit around. But so thank this, God we pulled the result out of our ass. Is does this officially mean that we're celebrities, Zach? Uh, I think we have to have more than like three hundred listeners a week. Oh, to okay. Become celebrity. Status. All right, we're but almost there. We're almost. We're there. close. We're close. Close. Yeah, and I mean, if um, like so, just really quick, I just wanted to add if you know people are starting, you know, new podcasts or blogs, like talk to us and we'll give you shout out too. You know, we'll pass the favor on. It, we we know how that feeling feels, and now that we're almost celebrities, like you know, almost celebrities by ass. We're al- we're almost celebrities, like Ross Barkley is fit. Ooh. fit. Like, like we're we're not celebrities, but that's that was a sick burn to us, dude. Thanks. That was a nice burn to us, wasn't it? But like, I'm not burning Ross Barkley because I'm actually, I actually like him and I think he'll do well. But uh, let's dive into this West Brom match, Tom. Um, so this is our third Monday match, like in the last couple weeks, and I have class like around the same time <laughs> that all these matches are. So we're we're watching them on dodgy streams in the middle of class. Um, and my and my teacher actually is a Chelsea fan too, surprisingly. Uh, so I mean, I, I think he sees. M- the reflection my glasses of me watching the match so um and he doesn't say anything so that that's that's good yeah well i think uh my professor saw me blush when uh when i saw when the camera panned olivier Giroud's face <laughs> it's so hard not to blush man that guy's so good looking but like i think we, i think we should start off with him i think that's a good place to start so oh, definitely um i mean think this is finally we elect to play an actual striker um, oh my god which is pretty mind-blowing concept um i didn't know didn't know that it was a good idea to play a striker up front instead of a a 5-8 Eden Hazard as a false nine I mean well you know Hazard actually alluded to it um afterwards and he said you know something along the lines of Olivier is one of the best uh target men in England and I don't I don't know if that was an exaggeration or a knock or it was just Hazard um, overreacting because he hasn't played with a striker, a proper striker, in God knows how long. But I mean, I thought I thought he looked really good, and and I we knew that he's gonna have something to offer the the team in general. Like we knew that his hold up play was really good. We knew that he's causes mayhem in the box. Um, he wins any aerial ball, and he's pretty good defensively too, to be honest. Like which is something that we lost when uh, we lost Diego Costa, but um, definitely not as ill-tempered as him which is a plus yeah and you know I'm, I'm glad you mentioned defensively because the way that he positions himself when the other team is in possession is brilliant like he cuts off a lot of passing lanes between the defensive midfielders and uh and the center halves and you know that's something that's extremely valuable and you know looking down the line and i told you this earlier in the week and you know it might sound a little crazy but Obviously, he's not the long-term uh, solution up front for us, and obviously, he's not going to knock Murata off as our number one anytime soon. But he could um, give him a run for his money in certain matches like this, where we play, you know, bottom half of the table sides. Uh, the squad gets a little leggy. Now, a performance like this might give Conte the the uh, the trust he needs to play Giroud more. Yeah, I mean, because before. Murata's second, you know, the, the striker behind him was Mishibashuai, so I don't think he had much to worry about or, you know, any incentive to really try harder. Um, but, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot and, you know, about our, our depth and how, um, a, the lack of depth really just 
just ruins the whole possibility of any competition. And um, this is really good news for that sense. Um, Giroud had, I mean, he, he didn't score, but he, you know, he played that amazing flick for Hazard's opening goal. Um, that was, that was really nice movement by him. And um, he, I mean, just, I think his presence on the field, it, it um, allows Hazard to have a little bit more freedom because, you know, instead of having Murata where um, the center backs really only need to worry about the, you know, the aerial through ball, that's his only real uh, danger. And, I don't know if they have to worry about Michi Bachuai at all whatsoever when he's on the field, on the pitch. But um, it really, I mean, for that, for Hazard's second goal, um, I think a lot of the center backs were a little bit more worried about him laying it off to Giroud. And they um, backed off of him a lot. And he was able to just, I mean, that that goal was, was really nice. But I think that although, you know, Giroud didn't have the, an actual uh, play on that goal, I think his presence just helped contribute. Or wait, or was or was was Morata actually in for that second goal? I mean, I, th- I, I don't know. I, I, I think I think I think Morata might have been in, but okay. like, well, I think, but, but, I, I take that point back. But regardless, I think I, I saw Hazard play a little bit more free without him. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think I think it's a positive that we actually went after and purchased a striker that is familiar with the Premier League and that other teams know very, very well. So obviously West Brom knew what type of striker Olivier Giroud is. He's not going to beat you with pace and he's not going to beat you in a 1v1 situation. But if you allow him to face the goal and allow a ball to get played to him anywhere in the 18-yard box, I mean, it's basically game over from there. I mean, that guy's as clinical as it gets, right? And I just think that it's going to benefit us more in the long run by having someone that's familiar with the league because they understand how important some of these games are and they understand how tough it is to play against the lower, yes, the, yes. the the bottom half of the table sides. Because, you know, you go to other leagues, you go to like La Liga or or, or, or Ligue 1, France, like those bottom half of the table teams are shit. And, and you could basically throw out your youth out there and walk away with a 2 or 3 nil and here in the Premier League, it's a complete opposite. I mean, I'm not going to lie. West Brom actually gave us a pretty good match in the first 15 minutes or so. They were pressing us high. We couldn't get out of our own half. They created a couple opportunities. Who was it that missed a, a – he missed a golden opportunity. Was it a uh, – I can't remember his name. Jay Rodriguez. Yeah, right right when he came on and, uh, for the injury. For, um yeah, 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 and he came in and just missed. I mean, he should have done way better with that. If we were playing a better team, we might be talking about a different result today. But, you know, going back to, to your whole point about us having Michi as a second option, and, you know, this just kind of popped into my mind. Michi wasn't even a second option for us. I think Conte would rather have played Hazard as a false nine, which yeah, he did he more did, uh, yeah. than, than even giving Michi playing time. and. Now that we have some sort of competition, it's going to allow Morata to raise his game. And I don't think it's a coincidence at all that somehow he mysteriously healed from his back injury mm-hmm. to uh, to be named on the bench once he found out that Giroud was going to start the next match. Like, and, I don't think that's a coincidence at all. And, you know, I mean, I think a lot of um, Morata's poor form lately, I think most of it is mental. You know, this is his first t- um, his you know, his last two stints. Um, with Real and with Juve, he was never the number one striker, and now you know he he is our number one striker. I mean, uh, before I mean before the Giroud deal, like it was not like not even comparable. We didn't even have a number two striker. Um, so 
I think that was a lot of pressure on him, especially coming into a new league and having to take on this role that he never had before. But, um, you know, Giroud had started for Arsenal for a long time and he knows how, he knows that, you know, that feeling. So I think that not just, um, giving him the competition, but maybe some guidance and some count, uh, you know, some counseling, I guess, with, uh, how to prepare your mind for these type of moments. Cause Giroud's I mean, been there. Yeah. Yeah. He has been there. And, and, you know, to be fair, he should have had a goal in this match. There was a ball that was played to him in the six yard box and he just kind of pinged it straight to the keeper. But like, I, I think the more we see Giroud and especially the more we see him in the way Antonio Conte sets up his three, four, three, as opposed to Wenger, um, I think it's going to benefit Giroud a lot more because Conte does not like his strikers to drift. And whereas Arsene Wenger and Arsenal, you know, their strikers are in and about all over the place. And keeping Giroud in the middle, just staying on their last man, giving them a hard time, pushing them around, fighting for every ball, that's going to wear teams down little by little. And those little knockdowns that he has when the ball's played over the top to him, I could just totally imagine an Aspie or Rudiger ball being played over the top, Giroud knocking it down right into space for Hazard and Pedro and William to run into. Um, you know, in between their midfield and, and defensive lines. So there, there's a lot to look forward to with him. I'm, to be honest, dude, I'm really excited. I think it's a great signing, and it makes our team so much better looking than we originally were. Um, but, you know, being handsome isn't necessarily the first thing on our uh, on our agenda, is it? No, I mean, it, from the, how much we talk about it on this show, it, it seems like it is, um, but in reality, it's not. Um <laughs> You know, I, I, I kind of have to give a shout out to, uh, Johnny Evans. I mean, I hated him when he was on Man United, hated him, but, um, I think he, I think he's too good to play on West, be playing on West Brom right now. And oh, it was yeah. a shame that they, they weren't able to make a deal for him, at least through this transfer window, because I think there's a lot of, uh, teams that are in need of like a quality center back. And, um, he, pl- he played really well, I think. He, he, did. he, yeah, he, made, he made it really tough for us in the beginning. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, going into the match, we all knew West Brom was going to be somewhat solid defensively. Like, that was never their weakness. Their weakness was, has always been the same. It's been goal scoring. Yeah, um, and they thought and, they thought bringing in Daniel, I mean, Sturridge was going to help out with that. But, I mean, it's just, that's the, just a story that's been retold game and, you know, match after match where he deals with an injury. And you think he came out, what, it was like three minutes in, unfortunately. I mean. We we were worried that you know he was gonna come back and score against us like he normally does. I mean, I mean, sorry, like past Chelsea players normally do, but you know, I wasn't too worried about that after he got taken off. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, I think Poor the guy. second, Poor I, guy. I think that I think the second he pulled up, um, the first thing that went through my head is, oh yeah, we got this in the bag because usually when a former Chelsea player scores against us, they win. Yeah. Um. So I, mean, I was, thank God for that. I was honestly the first. 10 minutes just at like just so scared of losing this match like i even texted you and i said this is shit yeah i mean i mean the the opening was just horrible i mean and and that's not to say that like the match in general was like a well-played match by us i don't think we played that well um but the first 10 minutes especially like it's it's almost like west brom looked at bournemouth and they looked at watford and it's like oh i'll have some of that and (laughs) they just kind of went at us it's similar it's similar to the ways that they went at us and you know they pressed us high they pressured our center backs they cut off passing lanes they'd win the ball in our final third and they'd capitalize on opportunities and 
to be honest, I mean that that kind of seems like our uh, like our kryptonite. That seems like our main weakness. Yeah, and you know, I think like right in the beginning, I think it was Victor Moses, um, just played a really poor pass that almost led to a couple chances. But um, I think overall, besides that, Victor Moses, I think I'll, I kind of want to get into him a little bit. Um, he played a he played a pretty decent match, I think, for the 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 kind of form he's been in lately. I think that he kind of, you know, he scored, he scored a pretty nice goal. I mean, it, it took a deflection still, still, but went in, but he had really good movement off the ball. And I think that, I mean, you tell me, Zach, how, how important do you think this goal was to him? Um, I think, I think the goal was huge, right? Like, I, and to, to be fair, I don't think he played that well of a match up until he scored his goal. Like, yeah, he was creating width and he was getting the ball in dangerous areas. But he just wasn't doing anything, doing anything with it. So, um, his his decision making just it drives me mad, and, and and I literally pull my hair out every time he opts to spank the ball fifteen feet over the goal instead of crossing it. Um, and, and that's and that's another issue I have is when he does cross the ball, he doesn't he doesn't ping it into the middle. He literally smashes it. And I remember one instance specifically in the second half where Victor Moses made a nice little overlapping run and. I forget who it was, but someone played him in, and uh, he went to play a diagonal ball back across the uh, penalty area, and he hit it as hard as he could, and Giroud was right there, but I saw Giroud duck out of the way, like, fuck that, there's no way I'm going near that, so, like, I just think he needs to work on his final ball, that that final product really needs, just, I don't know if he's incapable of playing that ball because he doesn't play it enough. Um, I don't know if he's not comfortable playing that ball. I don't know if he's told not to play that ball, but he, I, I just feel like his delivery really needs to be worked on because again, I mean, he's not a right, he's not a wing back by trait. So he moves like a winger and his, and his runs off the bar, like, like the same runs that wingers make and he gets himself into great positions, but he just does not do enough for me in those positions. And like, I'm glad he got his goal and everything. Um, you know, and that's great. Hopefully, that you know helps him replicate the form or re- rediscover some of the form that he had last year. But I mean, that that's only offensively. Defensively, he's non-existent. There was a couple times where Aspi or Christensen, um, or even Cahill when he came in had to save his ass. I remember there was one play specifically. I think it was uh, it could have been it could have been uh, Rodriguez again. Um, but he was running down the right flank and he, and he played a beautiful ball across the six yard box and Rondon was there and Aspie barely got in front of him. Yeah. Like, that should have been, Victor Moses should have tracked back, even though the ball wasn't, even though he wasn't, uh, uh, supposed to be guarding Rondon on that play. Someone was coming on the far side, on the far post and Victor Moses was just laboring back, maybe 15, 20 yard gap between them. So that could have been a tap in. I mean, I say it all the time, like, I played center back, so obviously my first instinct when I watch soccer or football, I think like a center back, and I'm always defense first, and whenever I see players that are playing in defensive positions who are not natural defenders, it just gives me this intense anxiety, um, sometimes not very rational, but in this case, pretty rational. Yeah, and I think I mean you mentioned it and you said it best. Victor Moses is not a wing back. He's a he's a winger. But um, you know, Antonio Conte being the great manager he is, being able to get the best out of their players, um, he deploys them as a wing back and is able to, you know, get the best out of them in that position, especially especially last season. 
and that kind of that kind of makes me want to talk about this uh this quote Antonio Conte mentioned um it was in the, in the Telegraph an interview on the Telegraph um he spoke about you know if Chelsea were to get another manager they wouldn't be able to find anybody better than him at improving players but he's a disaster at getting clubs to spend i mean i think that Victor Moses is the quintessential um i think the epitome of that of that statement like if you look at our depth at the wing back position, I mean, at, at right wing back, we, I, in my opinion, we have zero <laughs> because Victor Moses isn't even a wing back. And I mean, if you can, you can play Zapacosta on either side, but I think he's more, more, he's better on the left side. But, um, well, that's it. That, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think he, I think he can do either, but still it, I think that. I mean, what do you think, Zach? Do you think that his his ability to get the best out of these players actually hinders him and um, makes the board more reluctant to spend, you know, shell out those, uh, shell out a lot of money to get those top quality players when he's able to make do with the type of players that uh, the board have, has been providing with him the past couple seasons? I mean, I I, I said it before, and and I'm gonna allude to it again. Usually when managers come into the Premier League, there's a basic rationale that goes around with anybody that has a, even a little bit of knowledge with football that their first season's going to be rough and it's going to be turbulent and there's going to be issues and they're going to have trouble with playing through winter and not having a winter break and having multiple weeks in a row where you play midweek and you play three matches a week for two months straight, you know. This is not something that Conte is used to in Italy. And last year we weren't in a Champions League, which helped us out a lot. Um, that gave him the ability to basically play the same starting 11 every week. Um, you know, besides uh, switching Matic with Fabregas on occasion and William with Pedro on occasion. I mean, it was basically the same starting 11 every week. This year is a little bit different. And yeah, Conte did get the most out of his players last season. And he won the fucking league, which... If you're a rational football fan, again, um, you would back the manager 110% and basically give him whatever the hell he wants. But for some reason, uh, the board of directors don't seem to have a footballing bone in any of their bodies and uh, refuse to give him the players that he asks for, or the players that he wants. And it's it's blatantly obvious. I mean, he's not getting the best out of Drinkwater because I don't think Drinkwater was the type of player he wanted to bring in originally. No. Um, he didn't get the best out of Batshuayi, which, I mean, we all know that Batshuayi was not an Antonio Conte purchase. Um, he wanted to sell David Luiz in January, but uh, apparently Roman said no. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, it does hinder him. It hinders him a lot because I think the board is looking at what he's doing or what he did last year and is saying, hey, I mean, you did it last year. There's no reason why the players shouldn't be able to to keep up their form and, 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 and kick on from this point. But that's not the case. You know, I you look back in history and there's been so many different managers that that have butted heads with their basically with their high, with their club's hierarchy. I mean you look at Sir Alex. If you think this if you think the Antonio Conte situation is bad, look at Sir Alex. I mean if this guy didn't win as much as he did, he would have gotten the sack a long time ago. Um but, you know, he, at the end of every transfer window or beginning of every transfer window, he would go out 
and he'd buy one marquee player, one top-class player that he thinks could compete for a starting spot in that starting 11. And that would keep the competition for places high. It would help the squad raise their level. Um, and the team would play better on the pitch. I mean, and, and the trophies prove it. What has Chelsea done to really improve our squad from last year? I mean, if you ask me, Morata's kind of a downgrade on Diego Costa, at least for this season. At face value at this season, at this point in time, he's a downgrade. Um, you know, we lost Emmanuel Matic, and I mean, who knows who's going to replace him? I mean, Drinkwater doesn't look anywhere near the squad. Um, I think he could do a job, but for some reason, Conte doesn't. And Bakioko has just been a disaster so far. Um, I don't think Ross Barkley could play as a pivot. Um, I think he needs to be a little bit higher up the pitch. But, you know, you look at our back line. Yeah, maybe we upgraded with Christensen, at least in the long term. David Luiz had a good year last year. Um, but there's been no competition for the left wing back position or the right wing back position, which are absolutely crucial, arguably the most crucial positions on the pitch if you're playing a 3-4-3 like Conte does. Um, I think it's hurting him. You know, going back to your question, um, I think the club is looking at him and saying, well, why can't you sustain this type of performance from your players? But who knows? I mean, and I talked about it last week. I went on my whole, you know, 10 minute rant about it. There's no transparency between the club and the manager, or the club and the fans. And maybe it's losing Emanalo. Maybe that has an effect on it because, you know, a, a lot of the stuff I've been reading about him because nobody knows what his real job was. but. Maybe the job of a technical director is kind of being that bridge between the man, what the manager wants and what the actual board of directors want. Maybe they are the the filter for the dialogue that goes on between them two. And maybe not having a technical director is hurting us more than helping us. The way it's going now is we haven't replaced Emanalo. And whether you liked him or not, you know, he's proven to be an important part of our success the last couple of years. And I think the fact that we haven't replaced him yet um, just speaks volumes to the club not even knowing that he was going to leave in the first place. So, I mean, it's yeah, a, it's, a it's a concern going forward. I know I kind of went off on a little rant, but yeah, yeah, I, I think I think I think it has hurt Antonio Conte in the long run because you know people are just saying, well, why can't you do it again? I mean, you look at teams like Man City and United, and even Liverpool are going out and spending 75, 80 million pounds on a player, and you know. We spent seventy million on Murata and didn't really spend big anywhere else. I mean, you could argue Bakayoko's forty million is you know a hefty amount, but you're looking at the prices of other midfielders going around. I mean, that seems like chump change. Yeah, I mean, you look at Pep Guardiola, and you know, since his since he took over at Man City, spending you know almost half a billion dollars <laughs> just, and, just on just on a defense, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's what it feels. That's what it seems like. And uh, I mean, and Antonio Conte is, you know, having trouble shelling out money for, you know, a quality wing back. Um, but b before I, I go on, if there's anyone who's listening who didn't listen last week, I just have to mention, uh, go back and listen to Zach's rant because that was probably his best uh, of this podcast history. Um, but was, I, I think that was the best rant of my life. Like, <laughs> any subject. <laughs> ever yeah i mean when someone's so passionate about it like it brings out the best of you uh best in you but um you know it's something else uh, in in that in that article that really like jumped out at me they asked him 
whether um, he should stop improving the players that he already has. And uh, he, he responded by saying, you're not the first person to suggest this. <laughs> so uh, look, 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 uh, look to uh, Conte possibly making our players play worse uh, to try to get the board to buy new players if, uh, if he's not out by then. But uh, <laughs> well, yeah, so that's definitely a possibility, I guess. Speaking of uh, players getting worse, there's one player that's not getting worse. Actually, he's getting better every week. <laughs> Um, I mean, which kind of I worries know, me, honestly. <laughs> I know, I know, we talk about him every single week, Sam, and it seems like every week we we say the same things. He's having the season of his life. This is him breaking out. You know, he's truly starting to to show flashes that he could he could potentially be a top three, top five footballer in the world on his day. I mean, this is no new news to us. Two goals in this match. Obviously, West Brom was pretty. They they were pretty poor in general, but I mean, I'm looking at our notes, and the first thing I have right under his name. Do you want to read it out loud, Sam? We do not deserve him. Yes, and we what's do. the second one? That second goal, though. <laughs> yes, dude, and though no. when he smashed in the first goal, I was like, ah, oh, see, that's very pretty. We finally got a target man who could play those little flicks, and and, and you know, it, and bring our wingers into the play and uh, and you know um expand our attacking but options. to be fair like, to be fair i think murata has had a couple of a uh, nice back heel assist oh and, no 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 I mean, it's not a it's not a knock on murata at all i think technically murata is actually a better footballer than Giroud, but um he just hasn't been playing lately so you know yeah. uh, playing with this false nine i mean look and, and they said it on the fan cast if you have a player with even Hazard's ability this supernatural ability that it makes absolutely no sense to play him anywhere else but his natural position and his natural position is as a winger he's at his best when he's cutting inside and running at defenders i mean it's that simple um and god and i think just that by itself is was enough of a reason to go after Giroud. just yeah to have eden hazard be able to play in his natural position and um i kind of said i don't know how happy i am with hazard's play I mean, obviously, it's good for us this season, but I think what that does is uh, kind of gives Real Madrid more of a reason to reach out to us and try to try to snag him away from us because um, I know that he would be the perfect addition to them, and that I think that it just terrifies me with him playing this well. <laughs> Dude, I honestly don't know how I feel. Like he's probably looking around every time he just just absolutely bosses a match and says to himself like i'm kind of stuck with these chumps right now like i could be in madrid yeah and you know like i, I i'm i'm really really thankful that he's not the type of guy to look around and just be like oh, i'm too good for these guys yeah because I, I, we saw alexi sanchez kind of have that attitude a lot with arsenal and i just i just i appreciate eden hazard so much for not having that kind of attitude he's definitely very you know for for being arguably the best footballer in the league um he's he's definitely very humble and you know he doesn't show off a lot he doesn't he doesn't have flashy celebrations he's not you know saying things to the press and tapping up you know future moves or anything like that i mean you get the occasional madrid question but the reporters always seem to uh to spin it negatively but it, it just terrifies me that he's playing this well because I mean, like you said, Madrid's definitely going to be looking at him and being like, eh, 
Now, we definitely need someone like that because that could just absolutely terrorize defenders and run at them ruthlessly. Um, but I think the more important question is, you know, based on today's transfer window, how much could we get for Hazard? And, and, and I don't like thinking about it, but, um, you know, there there is a little bit of curiosity in there. So, if, I mean, if Neymar went for $222 million, um, what do you think a player like Eden Hazard is going to be worth? Well, I, mean, I think the, the player you can compare him to more is like Coutinho. You know, he went for $175 million. And I think, you know, Hazard is... A little, has is a, honestly a little bit better than Coutinho, like right oh, right above his a, class. I think a lot better than Coutinho. So I mean, I think I mean, do you think it's too much to think that he would go for like around around two hundred million pounds? I don't think so at all. Yeah, but, I mean that sounds like that sounds like some good business, honestly. I mean, but um, I'm, I'm <laughs> and like you know, this is some this is me saying. I mean, like that sounds like good business, but I I I don't like to me. I feel like he's priceless. And I just remember last week, I think I would have, I went into like a blind rage and talked about, oh, I'm done with Courtois. You, sh- you know, I just want to get rid of him. Uh, I definitely yeah. don't feel, I, I didn't mean everything that I said. I was just really upset at what he said, but, um, I definitely don't feel that way about Hazard. I, I'm very reluctant on letting him move. No, no. I, I meant everything I said about Courtois last week. <laughs> if you don't want to be at the club and if this isn't, if if this club does not make you does not make your skin crawl every time you walk out onto the pitch, get the fuck off the pitch. I mean, it's that simple. Like, if you if your heart is somewhere else, and I'm using my air quotes here, if your heart is really somewhere else, then go play there. We, like, I don't care how class, I don't care how good you are, I don't care if you're the greatest footballer in the world. If if you're gonna if you're gonna sit there wearing a Chelsea shirt and talk about it you know you wanting to play at another football club fuck off like it's it's that simple like i i I really don't have any sympathy whatsoever like yeah maybe his wife and kids are there and fair enough you know if you want to go be with your wife and kids go be with them go sit in madrid i mean is london such a bad place that you can't bring them over here i mean come on it's it's a really nice area it's definitely not like la where it's sunshine every day i mean but <laughs> London's great. Yeah, I mean, he's talking like he's, he's he can't bring his kids to you know such a great city like that. Um, but you know, I I definitely don't feel like I'm I'm very reluctant on pulling the trigger on transferring Eden Hazard, even if the transfer fee is is up at around two hundred I mean, million. The the way he talks about living in London is like it's it's almost like he's living in like Burnley or Stoke. <laughs> Where it's just cold and dry and or cold and wet and just poor and I mean it, it it's rainy night in Stoke. God, it's just it's fucking irritating. I, I'm so over him. Yeah, let's 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 uh kind of relax a little bit and get back into this uh this match. Um, so just to, to finish it off. How would you rate our performance? Because we, we you did mention it, like it wasn't the best game. I don't think the final result really um, says the whole uh, story of the match. I mean, a three nil victory is, is seems like a pretty comfortable win. But um, what do you think? Basically, stats: fifty seven percent possession, twenty shots, including eight on target, um, and twenty one tackles with twenty one clearances. So, based on those stats, how would you rate our overall per, uh, performance? I mean, looking at the numbers, we we did walk away 3-0, um, and very rarely a team wins 3-0 and it flatters the deceive. 
Um, but I mean, I, I'm gonna go with the, I'm gonna go with the seven. Like I like the creativity up top. I think having a target man like Giroud, um, who's very similar to Morata in the sense that you know he could play those flicks and and, and connect passes and just keep the pattern of play going. Um, you know th- that was a plus, a huge plus actually. But defensively, we were dreadful. I mean, and and maybe it had something to do with N'Golo Conte literally doing every running around every single blade of grass on the pitch because being partnered with Cesc Fabregas in a pivot is like, it's dreadful to watch. Like it makes my skin crawl. Um, but to be fair, they're a shit team, West Brom. And they honestly had no business giving our backline trouble like they did in certain situations. I mean, according to the stats, they only had one shot on target, which is great at face value. Like if you, if you're looking at it, you know, you didn't watch the match and you pulled up the match report afterwards. You're like, Oh wow. Chelsea boss this game. But, you know, we had to rely on last ditch defending from Dave and Christensen a couple of times, which isn't good if you take into account again that West Brom is absolute shit. Um, but overall, like compared to the last couple of weeks, what we've been used to, like this is th- this this is positive, and I think you got to look at it as as a glass half full because if you're looking at it as a glass half empty, still you're going to be in for a big surprise in the next coming weeks when we got. Barca, Man United, and Man City back to back to back. Oh, and don't forget Hull. So that that's their that's going to be a tough one. Um, oh yeah, we, we we really struggle against sides that are fighting for relegation. <laughs> it, and relegation from the championship, not not just uh, <laughs> not Premier League. But um, I think the biggest winner of this match was definitely Antonio Conte. And you know this this kind of uh, you know kind of I think extends his stay a couple months. But it doesn't necessarily lock him in for another year. Cause I, st- I still feel that this is his last season, just the way that it is, unfortunately. Um, that's just the way Chelsea's been running their business the past couple of seasons. I mean, sorry, yeah. the past, you know, whatever, 10, 10 years, 15 years. But, um, I mean, what do you think this means for Conte? I mean, if you I have mean, anything to add to what I just said. I mean, you pretty much summed it up. I, I don't think he's going to leave anytime soon. Um, I think the deciding factor is going to be what kind of result we'll put the, or not even a result, what kind of performance in general um, will we put um, put up against Barcelona and Man United and Man City. I don't think, I think the board is looking at this situation and saying, hey, I don't think it's worth sacking him now because if we bring in an interim manager, there's going to be that manager hangover and, you know, we're still going to be fighting for, for the top four. I don't think it makes sense to move Conte on now. I think the way the board's looking at it is, hey, you know, you finish out the season and then, you know, good riddance. But, yeah, because the way it seems, it's as if we're on the verge of relegation. But, I mean, <laughs> we're in, you know, we're in top four contention right now. We're still in the FA Cup. We're in Champions League. It's not like, you know, this is a, a complete disaster of a season. But the way it sounds with the... You know, the pundits, the way that they talk about it and, you know, the way that, you know, the the whole just reaction is around the club is that, you know, it's like a disaster of a season. But in reality, you know, he's I, I if, it were, if it were up to me, if I were on the board, if it was I'm, I'm sure if it was me and you on the board, we, we would agree with the same same uh, same conclusion that I think keeping Antonio Conte around the club is the in the best interest of the club. Um, because he just he, he we've already talked about it. He he brings the best out of the players that we have, and um, I mean if we were on the board, 
we would give him almost any player that he wants, and uh, we would shell out that money if uh, if we had a billionaire Russian owner like they do. But um, you know, unfortunately, our board is filled with a bunch of um, numb nuts. Uh, numb thing. That's wow, great word. That, that's that was. I was trying to think of a word that summarizes it, and I think you definitely found it. Numb nuts. Um, but I mean, it. I think a. His, you're you're absolutely right. That first that first leg at Barca will will tell a lot about his future, and you know, especially this season. Um, but you know, beyond that, I don't know. I really don't know what is going to be on how it's going to be for his future. Yeah, I mean, it's it remains to be seen, and we we basically summed it up last podcast. I think uh, it's a matter of when, not if anymore. So. You know, we still you... love you. I mean, it's if it if don't worry about what the board thinks, Antonio. As long as the boys at Roman is, <laughs> I mean, Roman's empire love you, then um, you know that's just, that's the thing that that's the only thing that should matter in your heart. Well, we're not the only ones that love him. It seems like every other Chelsea fan loves him. But there are those Chelsea fans on Twitter that are, you know, calling out Conte oh. and, and and giving him slack, like. Yeah, I feel Chelsea like I Twitter have, is toxic, man. I have this rant every single week. Fuck off. Go to bed. Fall in a really deep hole that you can't climb out of. <laughs> Zach, I sent say. you a tweet this morning about some guy disgusted with how <laughs> Gary Cahill came on the pitch and took, just ripped the the captain band off Aspie's arm. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah, apparently... What is- Apparently, uh, that guy did not know that Gary Cahill was is Chelsea's captain. So, no, man. If you if he was Again. a real captain, he would let Aspie wear the band the rest of the game. Come on, he's he's clearly cancerous to the team, and you know he needs I, he needs to be out. And I told you, if JT came on and did the same exact thing, you know, nothing. It, it wouldn't be a big deal. No, yeah, but, that would just be another day in the office. Um, so let's let's get into this uh whole match because this is a. Uh, I mean, we don't really need to talk too much about it because, as you mentioned, they're only one point above the relegation zone in, in the, the championship. Um, but let's just talk a little bit about who you think is going to be playing. Um, I think I think that, we're well, actually, I saw this morning that we're going to be finally seeing Emerson get his first start, um, which will be really nice to see how he plays. And um, we're gonna we're gonna see um, Ampadu out there as well. Um, Conte God. Conte has confirmed that, so um, that'll be really nice to see. But beyond those two, who who would you like to see play? I'd like to see Hudson Adoy on the bench, um, possibly getting some time in the second half. But I don't think that'll happen just because he has two strikers right now um, who haven't had much game time in the last couple months, and we have Barca in the coming week, so. I think he's still going to opt to play either one of Murata or and Giroud and sub the other one on. Hopefully one of them or both of them nick a goal just to get their confidence going. But I mean, other than that, like I want to see Drinkwater again. Like I think he has something to offer the squad, but for some reason he just seems kind of shackled um, under Antonio Conte. Like He doesn't seem like the same player he was at Leicester, it's, and it's not down to his fitness. I don't think it's down to his mentality. I think it's down to the way... Antonio Conte man manages and how, you know, I know it's a cliche saying, but he kicks every ball on the pitch. And I think uh, with Danny Drinkwater, you just kind of need to do a similar, you know, execute a sim- 
Eckler coaching style to what we do with Fabregas, where, you know, hey, if you see a pass, pick it out. You know, if you see a long ball, ping it. Um, give him a little bit more freedom. But Conte doesn't really see it that way. But other than that, um, I'm glad Ampadu's getting a start. I, I really want to see him again. I think I think he's I think he's the future man. Like he just looks so solid. Yeah, um, I, that's definitely. I mean, let's just hope that. We don't make the same mistake we make with a lot of young players who have a lot of promise, in our opinion, um, and just get rid of them or loan them out. I mean, that's just something we need to just fix as far as the way the club is managed. Um, so I agree with you definitely with, with who I want to, who you want to see play. Um, I, I would like to see Hudson Adoy actually get on the pitch, and maybe this will be a good chance for Murata to kind of get back into into form. Um, coming back, coming off injury, and we can give Giroud the the day off, um, you know, to repair that pretty face of his, and after he got hurt and had to wrap that bandage around. Um, so, I, I'm gonna ask you to make your prediction because I'm gonna abstain because last time I did, we ended up winning three 0 But uh, what's your prediction for this match? Um, I'm gonna go four 0 Chelsea. Nice. I think that's that's. If I were to make a prediction, it'd be something very similar. So I know, I know we're running out of time, some, but we got this Chelsea Barcelona fixture coming up. This in the has Champions been League. this has been the match that's been circled on all Chelsea fans' calendar for the past couple months. So um, this is this is the big match to really test our worth as far as like competition in in all of Europe, um, because. I mean, I don't, I don't even know how to begin um, this preview because Barcelona, in my opinion, is uh, the top club in, in the world right now. And right now, of course, they're on top of La Liga, of course. Um, they have arguably one of the best players of all time, uh, Lionel Messi. If not the greatest of all time. Right. And, you know, Luis Suarez is back back into great form right now he's scoring again and you know in in contention again for one of the top strikers if not the top striker in the world um Paulinho them getting him was was huge still an expert so still a piece of shit but um <laughs> he he is he he was a great nab for them um bringing them back from China and people were laughing when they when they were purchased when when they were even linked with them. People were laughing at it, and and he's he's, he's been, been he's been great this season for them. He's proved everyone wrong, yeah. And of, um, and I and I think that someone who's very underrated is you know Sergio Busquets. Just I'm I'm if we have Fabregas play, um, he's gonna tear him apart just absolutely. But um, what do you think we need to do to win this match? Um. What can, what can we it's more like i think the way the question needs to be worded is what can we try to do to win how can um, we contain because, them a little bit I, well first i mean you gotta address the Messi situation so there's no possible way you're gonna stop Lionel messi um but what you can do um instead of shutting him out for 90 minutes which is virtually impossible what you can do is is shut him out for short periods of time within the game, right? Like it, you know, um, important times, beginnings of the halves, ends of the ends of the halves. Um, when Barcelona's rolling and they have possession in our half and they're just kind of pinging the ball around, 
trying to to limit the amount of touches Messi gets on the ball. Now, I mean, it's inevitable. He's going to have at least 80 to 90 touches in this match minimum. Um, and, and that's being modest. Um, but, you know, in terms of tactics, I, I pray to God that Conte goes to the three-man midfield. And it'd be interesting to see what he does to address the Messi situation because we've seen Madrid have some sort of success, but also a lot of failures when trying to man-mark Messi. Um, so I don't know if he's going to decide to go with N'Golo Conte on him to follow him around. I mean, that seems like the logical move. But if you do have Conte following Messi around, um, you're leaving a huge gap in the midfield for you know guys like Iniesta and Paulinho um, to just kind of you know run free. Um, so it, it, what I know what I would do, and I know it's kind of a punt, and some fans might not you know agree with this, but I would I would go Dalvin Luiz. Um, That's a Dalvin shock Luiz. coming from you. I mean, just how much you love him, and oh, you know, just talk about him in such such high honor, especially the past couple couple weeks. Well, I think I think the best performance of the season for David Luiz is the Tottenham match where he did play in the midfield with Bakayoko and Conte. And, yeah, you're right. And, and and I think uh, I think in a match like this, um, what better way to regain your form than throw you right into a pivotal match and uh, have him chase around Messi and just kick him all day? Maybe use a little bit of Stoke tactics on him. Yeah, I mean it wouldn't hurt. I mean it won't hurt us. It might hurt Messi, but um, so I think. Another thing that we need to do, um, I mean, of course, if we're going to nullify a Messi, that means we're going to be allowing someone else beat us. And I think that player is probably going to be Luis Suarez. And um, I mean, we know what kind of damage he can he can do against a Premier League side with his stint at Liverpool. Yeah. So I think that um, he understands the physicality as well. Right. And. You know, I don't. I don't think that this is necessarily a key to winning, but it's just something that I think is inevitable if we're going to um, try to contain Messi um, as much as we can. I think it's going to leave Luis Suarez, um, but I think I'd rather have Luis Suarez um, have a have a good match than Messi because you know when when Messi punishes you, he really punishes you. I think. I mean, Luis Suarez has been phenomenal bagging goals left and right this season but um he i think that i would rather have him uh kind of play his match rather than messy you know what i mean yeah i mean i think uh i think if if we wind up not getting a decent result in this match and you know if you look at the stats and you see messy you know destroyed us i think that'll show that the squad didn't really play play that well but you know, if, 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 even if Barcelona still win and you look at the stat sheet and you see that Suarez was the one that hurt us, then you could make the argument, oh, yeah, well, maybe Chelsea, you know, contained Messi a little bit. And But look, I mean, it's this simple. We're not going to contain him, but what we can do is damage limitation, right? And I think that's a key for a match like this. Um, we have to take it to them. I mean, it's that simple. The, 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 the times where Barcelona has looked the most vulnerable this season – is when teams have had no fear and have have just ran at them, um, you know, hit them hard on the counter, commit bodies forward, play balls into the box because their defense is not very physical. Um, I think uh, I think someone like Morata or Giroud, whoever he offers to, uh, opts to go with in this match, is going to be crucial because, you know, I'm looking at their back line and they really only have Pique and Umtiti and 
I think uh, I think it'll be a favorable matchup for us um, if we could get Alonzo and Moses pushed high up the pitch, playing balls into the box. Um, I I, th- I think we'll have a solid opportunity of possibly nicking a goal or getting a knockdown into space for someone to run onto. Yeah, I mean, if we um, if, if we take the match to them and and just like able to stay clinic be clinical, um, and somehow we might be able to you know call up Fernando Fernando Torres and you know Ramirez and. See if they might be able to, you know, throw on a jersey and go out there and, you know, do what they they do best, and that is uh, knock Barcelona out of the out of uh, Champions League, um, and by do what they do best, I kind of mean do what they only do on Chelsea. Um, I think it, I think it was Cesc Fabregas that came out with a quote this week saying, or no, 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 actually it was Alexi Sanchez, excuse me, where he said. Um, the Champions League, the, the year we knocked Barca out of the Champions League um, was the toughest year for Messi to come to terms with getting knocked out of the competition in general. He even said that he remembers an image of Messi sitting in a locker room in tears after the match. Um, and, you know, Ramirez and Fernando Torres are in the other dressing room just laughing their asses off, and rightly so. But um, So do you, do, you, do you think there's any chance that Bakayoko ends up being our hero? <laughs> this i you know what as for as much slack as he's getting um like i he's still a chelsea player and i'm still rooting for him so if he does get the if he does get the um if he does get the starting nod for this match um yeah i mean i'm going to be rooting for him and i hope that he plays well i mean i might not have opted to do it myself but i mean if you're looking at our personnel you can't stick Ross Barkley in a in a three man midfield. Um, we don't even know if he's going to be fit, but we can't stick him against a team like Barcelona and expect him to run around and cut off passing lanes. And he hasn't gotten much time in the squad. Um, Danny Drinkwater just seems completely out of favor, so I don't think Conte will play him. I think Golo Conte is the first name on the team sheet, but yeah, maybe slotting David Luiz and possibly um, one of Cesc Fabregas. Or Bakioko might be a realistic option for the match. So if who if, knows? if Bakioko ends up uh, scoring, you know, a game-winning goal. Or, I mean, just I think if he scores a goal in general, just take take my word for it. I will buy his jersey. I will literally buy his jersey and wear it the next couple matches if he scores a goal. Okay, everyone is listening. Hold my hold me to my word. Because I, there's no way that's happening. But what, what, what if he makes like a game-saving goal line clearance or something like that? Uh, I might buy like a t-shirt jersey with his name on it. A t-shirt jersey? No, no, no. You need to buy a jersey. <laughs> if he has a if, man of the, if he's worthy of a man of the match performance, you gotta give him. A, you gotta get his jersey. Zach, you know how how expensive these jerseys are. I'm only, I'm only gonna shell out that kind of money if, if for a jersey I'm probably gonna throw away in in a year just because of. How because he's garbage and he belongs in the trash anyway. Um, oh my gosh! No, no, no. <laughs> See now you're pissing me off, Zach. Don't, I'm not booing. I'm not booing him while he's on the pitch. It's okay. I can say that he sucks. Don't be ignorant. Please it, don't be ignorant. It, he, he's 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 trash. Um, that's that's uh my. Well, that's you my just you, you just hate Bakioko because I because I hate David Luiz, but yeah, we have to we have to be neutral somehow. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I mean, what else is there? Anything else that you think that we can do, um, as far as m- improving our chances of not losing? 
I can't even say um, improving our chances of winning. But. Well, I mean, just the last thing I'm going to say is, I mean, you know Messi and Iniesta are going to be kind of the quarterbacks of this Barcelona machine that's going to go at us. So um, staying disciplined is incredibly important. Um, they love to play these little diagonal balls over the top to their to their wingbacks. And those wingbacks, you know, just kind of make like a little dart, uh, diagonal dart into the 18 and kind of play the ball in and across the penalty area. So that's going to be that's going to be something to look out for. I think staying disciplined is going to be huge, not losing our heads, not picking up silly yellow cards or giving them um, silly set piece opportunities in and around the box because, you know, Messi could hurt us. Um, but I mean, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, it. It's Barcelona. It pretty much speaks for itself. I think if we go any deeper into this match, I mean, we're just going to be, um, it's going to be like, you know, almost uh, useless because all of our fans are pretty knowledgeable and everybody that listens to our podcast seems knowledgeable enough to know what Barcelona is going to offer. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's time to get into predictions. So, so what do you think? Uh, if I'm being honest, this this is the first leg we're playing at home, right? Yeah. Okay. If I'm going to be honest. What do you predict and what would you be happy with? Okay. I'll be happy with a draw. I'll be, I would be very happy. Like, if if we end up drawing nil-nil, I think that that is probably a win in our book. Um, nil-nil draw would be great. Um, I mean, it would not be great as far as like the optics and, you know, watching the match, but as a result for our squad, I think nil nil would be great. Just limiting those away goals. But, um, (laughs) I don't think we're going to be able to keep the ball out of the net. And I don't know. I mean, it's, I think that if, you know, with, with, you know, Eden Hazard on our squad, I think we were able to score a goal against or a couple goals against any team because of just how good he is. So I'm, I know I abstained in this last and in, in the whole match because that was one that like I'm afraid to lose. This one I'm less afraid to lose because I kind of expect it, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna call a prediction 2 0 Chelsea. Let's go, baby. Yeah, <laughs> Let's go. Wow. Eden wow. Hazard, Eden Hazard. Double, double plus, we shut out, we shut them out. Um, I think very knowledgeable in, prediction, right? I'm in the same boat as you. I think, I think if we if we could draw this match, I don't think it'll be nil nil. I think it'll be like a one one or a two two. Um, I'll be pretty happy, even though they're still favored on away goals, because that give that at least gives us a chance at the camp new, and you know, um. But I don't think it's the result that's important. I think it's the performance. If we go out there and we fight and scrap and 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 work our asses off and put in a really respectable performance, I think it's gonna get um it, it's gonna get the general mood around the club and around the dressing room um turned around pretty fast. Yeah, because so. we're not playing to win Champions League this season. I don't think. I think right now our goal is to get second in the Premier League. <laughs> no, this, no, but but I, point, I also but but that's what know? we were saying. But that's what we were saying in 2012. Very true. Hey, anything's exactly possible, man. Come on, let's go. Let's I'm gonna, go, I'm baby. gonna go. I'm gonna go one-one. Um, just because I'm optimistic. What? Oh, you're gonna say like five-nil or something? Come no on, way. No oh, way. But uh, <laughs> I mean that we did kind of run a little bit over time, but fuck it. No, we're perfect, you know? dude. We're we're almost at an hour exactly. This is right. This is the sweet spot right here. So, um, is there anything else you want to add, Song, before uh? 
we we do our uh, suboptimal sign out. Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to this match, and I have class. Like I'm in, a, I have a class during the second half where I'm not allowed to use my laptop, and I'm just really debating on whether I'm just gonna skip class or not. But um, I already I, emailed my teacher <laughs> and told him I'm that gonna, I would be out of town. Yeah, I'm, I might email my teacher right now and let him know that I'm gonna be sick for that for that day. Just, you know I have I have, I have, a, I have a cold coming up. I know it's just gonna strike me on Tuesday. Let's uh it's flu season. L- let's uh let's meet up for that. <laughs> I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, but but we won't make plans here because uh, we don't want any stalkers. Because apparently we're almost celebrities, right? Yeah, so, almost. Um, almost there. So uh, really quick again, thank you to Stamper Chidge, everyone at the fan cast. You guys are fucking awesome. So awesome. Um, and guess who is officially booked to watch Chelsea versus Tottenham? Yee. On nice. First. Yep. Congrats, so, bro. That's, that's, I'm, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna love I'm really that. excited. Uh, I'm totally planning on meeting up with the fan cast guys and like buying them all beers. Um, I think it'd be fun to get shit faced with them. Yeah, and you're but gonna do I, the Stanford Bridge tour too, right? For yeah, oh yeah, I'm doing the Stanford Bridge tour. Nice. Um, yeah, dude, it's gonna be. I I don't know what I'm gonna do because I've never been to London. For those of you that don't know, like I've never been to the bridge. I've never been to London. Um, in general, but like I'm a huge Laker fan, and like when we play in the Staples Center, and every time I walk into the Staples Center in downtown LA, I get like these goosebumps just because I'm so diehard and I'm so passionate about it. And I've been there at least a hundred different times, right? Stamford Bridge, I've never been to, and I've been fantasizing about it since I was a little kid. I might cry. There might be tears. So. You know, I I just I I can't even imagine like what it feels like to be there. Like ugh, I'm getting goosebumps. But anyways, fucking excited, man! I'm excited for you. And uh, and 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 if anyone's listening that's like in London or gonna be in London that day, like tweet at us. Tweet at us. Like I'm gonna be in control of our Twitter that time. So, um, let's meet up. Let's hang out. Why not? Hopefully we fuck Tottenham up. Are you typing? Just typing up something. Oh, okay. So you want to sign out? Yeah, let's do it. Um. So, anyways, make sure to follow us on Twitter, um, at Romans Empire Pod. Follow us on SoundCloud. We're also on iTunes. If you have Android or if you use a third-party podcasting app, guess what? We're still there. So make sure to follow us, tweet at us, um, ask us questions. Again, we've been having more and more interaction every week, and it's fucking incredible, and it's super humbling. Thank you guys. So um, until next week, um, hopefully we drop hole. And uh, actually, let me rephrase that. Hopefully we drop a kick hole in the ass. Is that better? And uh, we pull a decent result out against Barcelona. Um, Until then, keep the blue flag flying high. See you next week.